0: 7 issue 334. It's Reza gun Play along with the show, why don't you? We've got some uh, excellent games coming up that you can join in with and get a little bit more out of each podcast uh, for the ones that you join in, I think. Uh, we have Ghosts and Goblins coming up, the 1985 original. Uh, there were many conversions and ports of that, different ways you can play it. Resident Evil 4 after that, lots of ways you can play that one too. Uh, and it's the first time we'll be revisiting a game after seven years, I think, uh, give or take. So that should be interesting. Following that, it's uh, Mikil's Request, which is a, a cult classic, Def Jam, Fight for NY. Following that, it's Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, and another cult classic, I think you could call it, even though it was a big studio game, Far Cry 2. Kainerints.com. There's a schedule all the way up to the end of the year, and if you want to see the recording dates, we've had a couple of requests about that. If you actually go into the forum, slash forum you can uh, you can even contribute to the threads there and have your thoughts and opinions included in the show if we have time and space and they're interesting. Get the show a week earlier than non-subscribers, and as of recently unabridged that doesn't mean unedited it means that you might get an extended cut uh, for just one dollar a month currently around 78 pence or 0.87 of a euro patreon.com slash and rinse and all your donations really help us uh, keep on doing what we're doing paypal as well we had a paypal donation this week uh, thank you for that there's uh, there's a button on the home page And we have another podcast as well. We mention it every week in the hope that more of you will tune in to Sound of Play. It comes out every Wednesday and uh, it's a really good, fun podcast. Very much uh, a compliment to this one, I, I like to think. Subscribe, review and rate both of the shows wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts or whatever platform. And please do follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 334... Ah, oh, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. It's Carl Moon. Hey guys, and welcome. It's a community contributor making his debut. It's uh, well, we're we're covering another couple of countries off our trying to uh, dominate the world. It's uh, Camille Rousseau. Welcome to Cana Rince. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, So listeners, you you probably don't always clock the contributor names that we uh, read out on the show whenever we uh, use forum feedback. But if you have heard the name K sub zero one thousand, that is Camille. Uh, And yes, you will detect a a German accent, which is the first time on this uh, fair show we've had such a thing. So that's cool. Now, Resogun. So uh, it came out yeah five years ago, give or take now. Uh, the name Rezogun, I didn't know this until I read this uh, Gama Sutra piece from April 2015. Uh, this was a quote from lead programmer Harry Kruger. Uh, the name Rezogun was coined by uh, Petteri Petsku Putkinen. My Finnish pronunciation probably isn't on point either. <laughs> apologies. Uh, one of our guys at the time, the rezo prefix touches upon the concept of high resolution and the gun postfix was added since being a shoot 'em up we predicted you'd occasionally be shooting things. Simple as that. Uh so the developer is Housemark. Some of us go back a long way with Housemark. I remember their first game which was Stardust on the Amiga in 1993 when the software house was known as Bloodhouse. Like Team 17 but from Finland they came uh, out of the Amiga demo scene, they were some extremely technically competent coders. Um, but I think it's fair to say, actually, I'm not. This is this is not a diss to de- Team 17's early games as such, or perhaps it is. But I feel like uh, Bloodhouse kind of came out the gates kind of having a bit more of a sense of um, what sort Of top tier gameplay was as well. Having said that, the early Stardust games were s- sort of equally hard <laughs> as Team 17's <laughs> yes. games, and in fact, the the studios got together for the release of Super Stardust, which was, uh, yeah, under the, the Team 17 banner. They then transformed into Terra Mark. I'm not sure why they changed their name so many times. Um, they released a game called Elf Mania, uh, which came out on the Renegade label. Uh, there was to be another game called PID or PID, which, uh, which wasn't released as the Amiga died. And then uh, there was a, just a couple of years gap um, before they started releasing things on PC. Uh, and then I guess we probably know them in the modern era from two thousand seven super, super Stardust HD onwards, uh, which sort of introduced that kind of uh, old-school arcade-style score-chasing shoot-'em-ups, but with very pretty visuals to the, the whatever generation that was, PS3, 360 generation era. Sony XDev Europe published it. Harry Kruger is the lead programmer. So what is Razagun? Well, it draws heavily from the game's Defender, of course, the uh, famous Eugene Jarvis Williams coin-op, and Data Storm, which was itself a spiritual successor to Archer McLean's Defender clone, Drop Zone, uh, which uh, is one of my all-time favorite games, uh, It's considered the spiritual successor to Housemark's uh, previous shoot 'em em ups Super Stardust, uh, HD and Delta. Uh, and according to the Giant Bomb entry, the, game, the developers also cite games like uh, Caves to Don Patchy and Death Smiles as influences. Uh, it is their bullet hell game, uh, one of them says in a promotional video. Uh, Ari Pulkinen is the composer. The producer is uh, the Northern English gentleman, Ian Pickles. And the game released in 2013, but it was actually uh, in development originally for PS3 and Vita. Uh, in the beginning, according to the Gama Sutra piece, we were fairly platform agnostic. At the time, we had PS3 and PS Vita dev kits in-house, so we used those as reference for potential platforms. When considering possible multi-platform development, though, the weakest platform always becomes the lead. In the context of our early development, this meant that Resogun was initially targeting PS Vita hardware and all the technical possibilities and limitations that came with that. Resogun was in development for a total of about 20 months or so, with an additional 12 months added to develop the two expansions for the game, Heroes and Defenders. The core team was 12 members strong, with frequent support from our R&D and art departments, so in total about 20 people worked on the original version of the game. And Resogun was completed, although I'm going to debate this somewhat, mere days before its release in North America, due to last-minute tweaks and polishing by the developers. Uh, So yeah, November 2013... PS4 launch day uh, November 29th 2013 in the EU and the game arrived I guess sometime after PS4 launch in Japan. Reviews were really good. Obviously, it got a lot of attention being around at the Western launch of the PS4, reviewed by f- uh, almost 50 outlets and reviewing at over 85%. Uh, won Game of the Year at the Nordic Game Awards, uh, nominated for Action Game of the Year at the 2014 Dice Awards and also appeared at the 2014 GDC Choice Awards. Now, sales. I have no idea. Does anyone know outside of Housemark? Um, so the game was given away. With PS Plus, as uh, so for existing PlayStation Plus uh, account holders like myself, it was the first thing I got when I, you know, I didn't even have to buy a game. To that was one of the sort of cool things about that that generation jump was like I know that even if I don't buy anything, and even though Battlefield 4 is there, but it's completely broken. I've got something to play (laughs) because I can download download Resogun day one. Uh, That's certainly what I did. Who knows how many units this has sold it's currently on sale at the time of recording for under £3 in on the English store translates I guess at, at about €4 Euro or $5 something but yeah I, as, as far as I know most people kind of who I associate with who game on PlayStation have had a PS Plus account going back many many years now so they've never had to buy this game really well speaking of which let's get into our histories camille uh did you have a PS4 at launch and was this one of the first things you downloaded or did you come to it a bit later
1: actually i didn't i was not a PS4 early adopter i bought my PS4 um with bloodborne so it must have been may 2015 i think mm-hmm. But my my best friend was a PS4 early adopter, and he was um, very, very enthusiastic about this Mm -hmm. game because he received it on PlayStation Plus. And um, he kept raving about it, and I didn't have much of a frame of reference when it came Mm -hmm. to shoot 'em ups Um, I had played a few during the 360 era because I had a friend who imported a lot of them uh, from Japan and who was a very enthusiastic bullet hell player. But I, I didn't really click with the genre. Uh, when I when I bought my my PS4, so in twenty fifteen, I that was I think the first title I I bought from the store. Um, I, I simply blindly followed my my best friend's recommendation because well, he's rarely let me down, and um, I bought it sight unseen with all DLC and mm-hmm. yeah I've been having fun ever since.
0: Yeah. So we spoke uh, yesterday. Uh, we, uh, I mean, we're we're on each other's friends lists, and uh, so I'm aware of your high scores. Now, the one that taunts me um, is the uh, is the <laughs> survival. The survival. People, yes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to uh, share uh, with listeners what your game clock on that mode is?
1: Okay, I've played survival for 109 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Out of 147 total for Razorgun in general.
0: That's so yeah, it's definitely
1: bad. that's definitely
0: my, my niche. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So I feel slightly better about the fact that I can't get near your survival <laughs> mode score now. Um, yeah, fine. yeah uh, but I, I yeah I've uh, I, I, I I'm I'm closer or even above in some cases on the arcade mode. But uh, between us, we've put in a good couple of hundred hours on the game as a whole. Uh, so that's not bad oh camille and just for context for listeners who don't know you what's your uh how old are you can we ask because that could have a bearing on how much you're sort of um, steeped in defender and things like that uh i'm 30
1: okay. i don't have i don't have a very wide frame of reference when it comes to old school and retro gaming and stuff i have never played with defenders to my to my shame
0: wow uh josh how about you i don't think you're so steeped in this stuff either
2: No, I I did pick it up with PS Plus, but just uh, so I didn't have a PS4 at launch, but it was one of those things where I'm definitely going to get a PS4 at some point, so I might as well kind of register the PS Plus thing um, and, uh, you know, secure that for when I eventually do. Um, When I eventually got the PS4, it was sitting there waiting for me. And I'm not so... I like bullet hell shooters but I I tend to approach them from the angle I'm going to get through this complete it do a little bit of score chasing but I'm you know there's no hope that I'm ever going to you know beat any of my friends or any of that so it's just kind of like a personal thing so i played it as much as i wanted to and then uh and then kind of intermittently revisited it um i did revisit it for the podcast but yeah i'll talk about my feelings later on
0: sure Carl, uh, I remember you being there or thereabouts on the leaderboards at the time. You seem to have uh, sunk a little since then, if I may say. But
3: That sounds like a challenge, Leon.
0: Yeah, so... well, <laughs> bring it on. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it.
3: I'm an old 34-year-old when it comes to video games, so I am quite steeped in the genre all the way back from Stardust on the Amiga. Um, it was a genre that I've sort of been hit and miss with so when people declare bullet hell I'm immediately thinking of the things like Gradius and and, and of that ilk that we've seen come back to life on the Xbox 360 which uh, I enjoy but I don't love and I think with uh, something like this it felt like it was going to fall more in line with how I liked something like Smash TV so um, as soon as it was shown I kind of just in love with it like visually i knew i had to play this game a little bit like josh i like hitting these games up completing them um i'll score chase for a bit and i'll move off except that the challenge for the platinum was quite a tough one on resogun so that was kind of the reason that kept me coming back and then i got my platinum and then i helped other people get platinums and i just kind of fell in absolute love with this title I, I kind of loved it right from the off, from the first moment I played it. And when they come out and they say that it was finished a couple of days before it was pushed for launch. <laughs> like, if that was the case, then my God, did they get that right?
0: Yeah, I don't remember knowing, thinking too much or hard about it beforehand. I knew a, a little a little bit way before I knew that I was getting a launch PS4, that, uh, that it was happening and that it was going to be PS Plus. I sort of clocked that it was a Defender clone type game and that it was from Housemark, so I started to become more interested and in the end I think I'm pretty sure in fact it was the first thing I downloaded onto my launch PS4 Um, and it stayed installed throughout the life of that machine until I upgraded to a Pro and then it became probably if not one of the first things I re-downloaded onto my PS4 Pro and it remains installed. Um, I've put in yeah as I say around about 45 hours. It feels like I've played it more because I've never been away from it for more than a, maybe a couple of months at a time. Uh, I load this up on an extremely regular, irregular basis um, and there are periods where I'll play it Fairly intensively, it will be one of my kind of go-to games. If I fire up the PS4, then I'll I'll have a go. I'll, I'll at least uh, I'll at least look at uh, Camille's survival mode score and have one go at trying to you know hoping that this will be the time that I'll completely get in the zone and get there. Um, but no, uh, but yes, yeah, so I've been play. I've been back to it again, um, just for a slightly more intensive uh, session of all the modes coming into this podcast. And uh, I did get one uh semi-decent score going but it really is a game and i I think we'll talk about this actually it's not really a game you can drop for a couple of months and then come back to and actually hope to do quite as well at because there's there's so much going on and it's so intense and there's a lot of memory involved as well um you kind of yeah it's generally helpful to be uh practiced and in that mindset Uh, but yes 45 hours and I'm in the I'm in or around the top 1000 on the arcade mode default settings so I'm quite pleased with that given I don't know how many people are on that leaderboard but I assume it's a lot Uh, One more thing I wanted to say was that uh, although we sort of referred to fuzzily, loosely the genre, I think what we were talking about there was uh, really, you know, kind of classic arcade gaming. So games that hark back to Defender in this case. But obviously it's not the same genre specifically as, say, Super Stardust, which is an Asteroids clone. This was a Defender clone. Um, They both have extremely different core tenets, which we'll get into. But one thing I did really want to talk about in this, um, this will have kind of been more apparent to those of us who were there from the start, um, but the game was pretty bare bones when it came out. There was a very early patch which added over half a gig. uh, The 1.01 patch uh, I'm not even sure it was there on launch day, uh, but it was certainly there soon after. Uh, but it added the, uh, the ship editor uh, and custom ship classes, 10 new trophies, uh, the 3D ship preview in the menu, the Hero Hall of Fame. Uh, they reset the leaderboards, uh, multiple UI and gameplay tweaks as well. And this was, this was something that I really noticed as I was playing the game for the first few weeks of its life. It did not communicate tremendously well to the player in its initial form. It was very easy to not know why humans were dying uh, or where enemies were coming from and as well as kind of boosting the the visuals and uh, and the overall UI and all the surrounding stuff the in-game communication to player was very much bolstered with each patch. Uh, Even now, I still find it possible. I was playing without sound the other day because I was listening to a podcast and um, I'm not sure how good this game is for uh, deaf players because it really does uh, rely so heavily on audio cues, doesn't it?
3: I don't think it has any form of closed... I mean, closed captions are relatively rare in video games anyway. But um, uh, this is the kind of game that if you want to play it with the sound off, you kind of really need it because it's the only alert that you'll actually have of a human yeah you'll miss a lot of stuff yeah so to actually play it with sound off which i do play a lot of games with sound off um whether i'm watching tv or something uh particularly racing games which it's not easy but possible something like resogun i did try it once and uh yeah i it's one of these things you just bomb the first thing you know is you've missed two humans and yeah that you're never going to recover score-wise.
0: Keep us I mean, detected.
1: Um, yes. alternative would be to uh, tone down the music, but keep the sound effects, which is yes. an option in the menu. Which, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did play it without music for a long time, but I quite like the music. Um, so I go well, I go phases with that. But um, Here's yeah. the thing.
1: The music is really cool in the Cade, but because it's a different one, Stage and uh, for every boss, but unfortunately in survival it's always yeah. the same. So yes. that that gets that gets tiring. Pretty
0: Mute it, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, they updated. With uh, more custom ship slots because that was a popular addition uh, for Christmas. They added a Santa human. So originally, all the humans in the game, the uh, the people that you rescue, were just little green dudes. Um, but now there are like I don't know, twenty five or thirty different types, and you can have it on random and shuffle, so they all appear in the game and they all have different voice samples. You got little lemmings from the uh, from the old lemmings game, and and ch- Chinese dragons, and Scottish geezers, and all sorts of crazy things, which adds a little bit of. Uh, humor to quite a dry game i would say
1: uh, personally i'm not too big of a fan of the alternative skin for the for the humans i find them the human design to be very potent in its simplicity yeah and i find them to be incredibly memorable and 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 they have a lot more personality than they have any business to have i also like the fact that the the color you know the bright green yeah makes them stand out from yes a lot of the yes background. <laughs> And if you use, for example, the dragons, which has uh, touches of yellow and and red, it hurts the the overall readability.
2: That's my concern is like, I like the idea of changing them, but then you lose them um amongst the the enemies the the green is so distinct from every every other color palette the game uses they just kind of cry out to you um, this is why
0: i haven't set a proper high score for years because i've been playing with shuffle humans i need to ah, switch school, that off school by error there you <laughs> go
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. make it as
3: easy for you as you can in the chaos yeah, and and, and it's enough.
2: not just the it's not just the humans but you know the, the 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 place where you deposit the humans is also bright green as well <laughs> yes. and just having those two things um have you know having them be the same color so that they stand out right yeah. these are the people you need to protect and these this these are the locations where you deposit them and you're always aware of them um at mm. any given time
1: house mark pretty much kept the exact same design and concept for Next Machina. Yeah. With it's with its humans they use pretty yes. much the exact same color palette and mm. similar animations. So I I think I think there's a good reason for
0: that. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, version 1.06 brought in a photo mode, which was not quite the all-encompassing craze back then that it is now, but uh, but it was probably a welcome addition nonetheless. Not something that I spend a lot of time in, but we have some uh, members of the team who are well into those, uh, and why not add one? Uh, challenges and feats were added. We'll get into those, uh, which also came with player ranks uh, and uh, some unlockable content and a gallery of those uh, various humans. And then the final version, at least up to now. I can't imagine what they do, if anything else. Um, They're very busy with their new project. But version 1.10 added PS4, Pro support, 4K, HDR and some general visual improvements as well, even for the for the base machine. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, There was a season pass, um, which I think was seven pounds, something like that, eight pounds so uh, I snapped this up as soon as it was available, even before um, I knew exactly what was coming. Uh, I knew that they were bringing stuff, so that was good enough for me. And on June the 24th, 2014, they brought Resogun Heroes, which brought in a new game world, two new modes, uh, a new and improved leaderboard and more trophies, as I say. Uh, and February 17th, 2015, so another seven months later, Resogun Defenders... Uh, with uh, Protector and Commando, which kind of completely changes it. It's almost a different game, really. Uh, and they released the OST digitally on June the 9th, and if you had the season pass, you got that as well. Very nice. Uh, there were some other bits and bobs released, including extra skins for the ships and the humans. As we mentioned, there was a set of uh, Wipeout uh, sh- uh, ship skins, so you can play as the classic Pfizer Arakom, and those guys. Let's talk about those visuals then, graphically, both you know, aesthetically and technically. Harry Kruger said to that uh, to Gamma Sutra, "Voxels are essentially 3D pixels and are quite literally the building blocks of the Resogun universe." At Housemark, we've been making arcade-style games for a while now by marrying timeless gameplay values with cutting-edge tech. During the time of Resogun's inception, we were considering ideas for our next big game, and Voxels seemed like a natural way to express this neo-retro design philosophy. Carl, you were you were there earliest by the sounds of it. Was this part of the appeal?
3: This this is an an, an interesting one, really, in terms of visual appeal, because we've just been having some debate in and Rince around whether a game can actually put you off aesthetically before you've come close to it, and of course it can. Likewise, a game can absolutely win you over before you know what it is. Sure. And when I saw Resogun, the second that I booted it up. And the voxels are being thrown all over the screen and we're seeing particle effects like we've never seen before. It just Even now, I mean, this game's nearly five years old. It's still breathtakingly beautiful when it just starts throwing stuff around the screen in a way that I, I still don't really remember any other game doing. I just think it's absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous.
0: Hmm interesting because one of the things I remember about the reviews at the time, reading a, a few pieces before I got hold of, of my PS4 was there was seemed to be a disparity among, and I suppose this makes sense uh, disparity among reviewers, sort of some of them saying, oh, this really does show off the PS4's power, and others saying, this really doesn't show off the PS4's power, so uh, yeah, I guess that's um, I, I guess that's the way you see it. Uh, Camille, how about you? How much is the, the visual aspect of this game a, a, a winner?
1: I, I really, really like the look of this game. I think it's a very interesting device, so to speak, because it, it, it bridges the vis- visual gap between um, 2D pixel art and uh, 3d polygonal models very well because it has this this kind of mm, course and building block quality to it mm. but you still see the the you you still see the depth of, of, of the of the of the elements of the characters of the of the of the enemies and everything yeah and of the stage so it, it's definitely a 3d game so you get this sense of 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 three-dimensional space but with this type of retro charm I would say,
3: yeah,
0: on a technical note, it it uh, it never loses frames at any point. Yeah, uh, as that, as... that's
1: of course the, uh, the, the the priority, I think. Yeah, but it's definitely it's definitely a game whose audio visual aspect I, I, I think is, is very strong.
0: Josh, how about you? Uh, it should be said that yeah, the version that we see now, especially if for those of us who have got a, a pro a PS4 and, and a 4K are actually seeing a, you know an improved uh, and even more spectacular presentation of the game but I remember, um, personally I remember liking uh, the look of the game but feeling that it perhaps didn't have tons of personality but other people seem to disagree, Josh including you? I think it
2: does have a lot of personality. Mm. Um, w- weirdly, and I think I may be in the minority opinion on this one, but I really prefer the um, visual style of uh, Rezogun to Nex Machina. Um, and the reason why is because I think Rezogun has a really consistent identity and all of the um, different things, like the environment, the way it... Um, the way uh, the the use of color in the environment and the 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 designs of all the enemies and the designs of your ships and and all of the all of the effects and stuff there's like a consistent um, feel they all feel whole they all feel one and the same whereas I feel like Nex Machina um, there are things about it that I feel um, aren't quite consistent like there are some things that look like they should be in a more detailed game and then there's stuff that's super voxely and um i i kind of prefer um what resogun does here where it's just like let's go full voxels and not Mm. and not confuse the confuse the aesthetic but the, the other thing beyond just like um it being and we we've already touched on this a little bit um is it's not just that it looks pretty it's that the aesthetics are incredibly good at communicating information the player feedback in resogun is second to none like the way um uh the enemies move and animate um like that there's a they communicate behavior really well um so you you just instantly know like straight away just based on a way a a an an enemy moves and also their design how aggressive they're going to be there's so there's the they they do a really good job of just subtle visual touches kind of embedding an enemy design and a way it moves into your head so that you're Mm. kind of enemy prioritization almost becomes automatic once you kind of see them appear on screen right he has to go first then him blah 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 blah. so um i that's the aspect i think that impresses me most is that yes it looks really really pretty but it's all super functional like it's all designed to just you know, take a shortcut directly to the kind of muscle memory part of your brain that um, makes you make those snap decisions. It's it's very good at just communicating that information.
0: I do really like the way this game looks. Um, I like almost everything about this game, in fact. But two criticisms I do have. One is, and this is perhaps partly an age thing, because I came from Drop Zone, which has just a a, a black backdrop with a few sparkling stars. Is sometimes it's the screen is almost too full of moving voxels from my brain and eyes to cope um and the other thing is that perhaps although there is a, a variety in the levels um and I, and I totally agree with what you're saying about the all voxel backdrops um although it's not something that bothers me in next mac and i see what you're saying about the, the the visual contrast um there is a perhaps a slight lack of uh a sense of progress through the game. It's there, There's not a strong difference in tone or mood between from level to level, even though one of them has rain, one of them has lava. Um, you know, there are differences, but it's surprisingly subtle. Um, whereas going back to other Defender clones, I can remember from the Amiga days, things like Star Ray, you would go from a jungle to an ice planet, like, and it would be very, you know, it would be absolutely blatant that you'd changed locations. Um, I could have done with something a bit more uh, a bit more like that, perhaps, but that might just be a personal thing.
1: Before we move on to the, the next section, I'd like to point out that the color palette is also used very, 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 very nicely mm. in the sense of, like Josh said, communicating information. If you look at the the enemy design, they all pretty much are variations of purple and gold. Right. Yeah. Right. But pretty much i think every enemy in the game has the the possibility to go into into a, a type of enraged angry state. mode yes oh, yeah. exactly and yeah they all become golden like yeah um, copper copper um yes colored and it, it 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 helps it definitely helps yeah instinctively to 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 switch your your to shift your priorities and to to to
0: understand what to focus on yeah absolutely right uh so yeah, the sound, obviously, we've already talked about how important it is um, about the, the sound communicating uh, danger, particularly, and when certain enemies are available without getting into the mechanics. At this point, um, saving humans, as we've already mentioned, is kind of crucial to uh, keeping any kind of attempt at uh, getting a high score going. So you would need to know when humans are... Uh, in danger or yeah in the case of the keeper enemies which are these uh glowing ones uh which have a sort of light green aura uh they often are only on available to be shot for a short period of time before um before they disappear uh we're mainly when i talk about mechanics i will mainly be referring to the sort of standard arcade mode we will talk about the other modes later but um yeah, so there's this sort of slightly dispassionate uh, f- uh, female voice in the sort of classic style of, uh, I guess, mother in Alien and things like that, um, and Alien Breed on the Amiga. Uh, here she, uh, I don't know if it's a voice actor or somebody known to the development team, but she has uh, you can you can detect that sort of Scandinavian. Bit to her voice. I know Carl's very fond of the fact that she says "human saved" rather than "saved." That's uh, that's good. She you know she she keeps you informed of what's going on to an extent. But there are a lot of different sound effects. Some of them can get lost in the cacophony. But for me, the the things that stand out are things like the the different sounding contacts when you hit a certain kind of enemy, like the those crustaceans uh, on the second level. Or they look like crustaceans. They're sort of like crawfishy looking things um, that have this sort of slightly hollow like Wood block sound when you shoot them all that kind of thing to communicate the different um, the feel of, of different types of enemies being shot uh, but yeah lots of lots of nice uh, popping and exploding noises and perhaps my favourite noise is them especially if you've got a subwoofer is the entrance of the bosses that actually you know sets your floor rumbling all that stuff
2: I have to say um, you just mentioned how uh, the different enemies have different sounds when you shoot them. That's really impressive. Like, Mm. I I, I feel... I don't want us to kind of just, um, you know, glide past that one. Like being able to communicate how tough an enemy is through sound design, I I find that really, really impressive. Again, it's it's one of those things where the the aesthetic is functional. Again, where um, it's all about communicating something to the player. It's making a, a, you know, a more uh, hollow sound so it feels like your bullets aren't you know slightly deflecting off the uh, off of the enemy's skin so you go okay this is a tough one this is a this is a more powerful one and um, it helps with enemy prioritization again but like just being able to communicate that so quickly and instantly just through a subtle shift in the way it sounds that's incredibly impressive
0: you saying that that's uh that's a, a, a gameplay communication thing you're absolutely right but i think there is also an emotional aesthetic uh response to different sounds as well isn't there so um it's not just about being functional and useful it is also about a feeling um of a, yeah satisfaction and and yeah and and um yeah just like i i guess that same Indescribable aesthetic part of your brain that that music touches. I
3: think all, audibly playing it, the feedback that you get feeds into that same sort of Zen uh, style that you get visually from completing uh, a Tetris, for example. Right. Um, you know that that feedback of satisfaction of that's that complete, mm. and the the sound has that same sort of thing right. where it starts hit to hit sort of a rhythmic beat yeah. when you, you know, when you hit in, and then you get the payoff, the completion. Of Each the enemy, enemy being poppy. destroyed yeah. or the human being saved, or the, you <laughs> know, um, level to level. It's kind of, uh, as you were mentioning earlier, Camille, about the uh, the, the characters, the humans being green, um, it allows you to look in the mid-ground. So you're never really looking... Perfectly in the foreground or in the background, you sort of see stuff in the periphery and you get an audible feedback for the feel of where things are. So when you hear that a human's dropped or a sentinel is around, etc., you're able to reactively hit the boost or visually when you're crowded around the screen, you're comfortable to the point that you sort of use uh, something to get out of there. So you're, you're always in that sort of high response zone um, with the audio and the visual and it it ties in really well together. So the feedback that you're getting never leaves you kind of lost as to what's happening. And I just just think that to do that and be able to tell a story, if you will, of what's happening at that moment, I think is incredible because despite all that chaos, the audio is really controlled. Hmm.
1: I'm not a huge fan of electronic music in general. It's not the kind of, I mean I don't hate it, but it's not necessarily yeah. the kind of thing that I that I listen to all the time by myself or anything. But I think that like with the sound design and like with the visual style, I think the music in this game is, is a perfect fit. Mm. And, and, and and very much every stage has its own tune, every boss has its own tune. And I, I feel like it, it, it it perfectly encapsulates the, the, the energy and the, the flow of, of, of the stage and of the game in general. And personally, I wouldn't change a single thing about the soundtrack. I think it's it's one of the most fitting soundtrack of a game that I've ever listened to.
0: Yeah, uh, I think there's some nice stuff in here. Ari Pulkinen obviously uh, is uh, is really good at this, uh, this sort of electronica and absolutely it goes all the way back to uh, the sounds of when they started making games for the Amiga in the early 90s it's it's very much a throwback which makes sense um, but I think kind of melody wise I, th- I think his best was yet to come I think Next Machina uh, really gets my head pumping and I think the it feels in that game like the gameplay kind of locks in with the rhythm of the music whereas in this game it feels like an appropriate backing but sometimes it, it kind of washes over me a bit And and yeah I've gone through long periods of playing it where I've prioritized the, the sound effects so much um, that I've wanted to actually mute the music. Uh, so recently I've been playing it with this, the OST on again uh, to re-familiarize and um, some of it's grown on me, but um, but I don't think all of it's, it's not kind of, it's not one of those soundtracks where I, you know, I have to have it on my, my music device. Uh, okay, let's get into the mechanics, I guess, starting with the ships um, because uh, these three default ship types actually mainly refer obviously they have their own visual design their own shapes um, but we're really talking here about the uh the weapon sets that uh that defines these three types nemesis ferrox and phobos now uh, i know uh, camille that uh, you are a phobos man and have remained as such all the way through what is it about phobos systems that uh, that gels with you so there's three there's three sliders basically aren't there Maneuverability, uh, damage, and overdrive, but there's slightly more to it than that because they shoot guns in a different way.
1: Well, yeah, but basically, the, um, the, the I'm a fan of the Phobos uh, weapon system, but I don't actually use the Phobos itself because okay. it has very low agility. Yes. So what I'm doing is I use uh, custom ships with the Phobos yeah. uh, weapons, but yeah. with stats that better fit my playstyle, so with high agility. Yeah. And what I like about the foils is that it's very it, it's very much a close quarters uh, type of, of weapon. So it has it has very high risk, but also very high reward um, dynamic going on. You need to be very close in order to make yeah. significant amount of damage with foils. Yes. But w- when you do manage to, to 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 close up, it it is absolutely devastating. The only downside, of course, is that you can't really shoot enemies from to to too long of a distance because uh, the the, proje- the projectiles are very slow and 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 spread out yeah but once you once you get the hang of it I, I personally I, I don't really I don't really gel with the others I, I don't really feel like I, I can I can accomplish the same type of stuff that I can with Phobos mm.
0: so yeah that's definitely where I'm gravitating to <laughs> do you know if the top end of the leaderboards are dominated by one of the ships I haven't looked Actually, I think it's
1: I think it's ne- Nemesis is the one with the the, the missiles oh, that auto aim, yeah aim, yeah I That's think it's my this baby. One, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's this one. But Phobos is also represented.
0: Sure. To
1: be fair, I, I've seen I've seen all three. I've watched yeah. uh, Super Play videos and I've seen all three types. So That's it's definitely great, good, yeah. well balanced in,
0: yes. in this regard great advertisement for the balance and yeah the fact that they brought in that custom ship thing um so they all they all have uh well you you base your custom build around the hitbox which i think is is it is it four four voxels i think the hitbox i'm not sure i can't remember it's a long time since i've dabbled um maybe it's even only one but um but yeah so you can build pretty much anything there's even a trophy for building one out of one thousand three hundred and thirty seven uh, voxels I think uh, Yeah. so Carl which uh, which ship do you favour or do you chop and change?
3: I absolutely favour one and I kind of hate myself for favouring it uh, I, I favour four boss as well okay. um, and the reason I say I hate myself for favouring it is that I come from that sort of old-school gaming mentality where the one that hits the hardest is not the most skillful. Mm. Um, Kind of the whole Street Fighter, you can't have a grappler be the best character in the game mm. because that doesn't necessarily go over well with the audience. So the one that requires the most skill is the death by a thousand paper cuts kind of style. Right, sure, And I kind of wanted to be that way, and Mm. it was Phobos. Was the one that I liked, and the strange thing is, I actually like the lack of maneuverability. I found that there was kind of it was just right for me to maneuver it and remain in control.
0: Right. The Phobos, as Camille said, if you get up close, you can do insane amounts of damage because it's got this spray of bullets that comes out the front, including one really hard-hitting kind of missile. Um, whereas the Nemesis has all these pew pew pews coming off of it. But for me, as uh, you know, somebody who's uh, only a, a, a moderate uh, game player overall, having that pr- kind of protection around you, just knowing that there are, you don't have to concentrate on everything that is on the screen necessarily because there's a few things that are being picked off automatically like pop popcorn enemies in this game are being nemesis once you've powered it up they' they're not even a you don't even have to like realign the ship basically you're just you're just flying through the middle of the level taking things out and uh, and I really enjoy that I have dabbled with all the others and I had this sort of feeling like yeah this is the kind of noob option because I've got I've got auto fire but basically I've got uh fire and forget but then when it comes to the boss you're at quite a disadvantage because you can't do an enormous amount of damage. So you have to spend a lot longer avoiding their attacks. So yeah, swings and roundabouts. Josh, what do you play as? Have you played long enough to have a, a strong preference? Is it really boring
2: that uh Fear Ferox is my okay. favourite ship?
0: You're the you're the you're the average Joe.
2: Yeah, I'm the vanilla I, I pick vanilla, <laughs> but you know sometimes vanilla is the best flavor. See, so, you know, vanilla. like a McDonald's yeah. milkshake, vanilla yeah. is the best flavor. I love, I love vanilla. <laughs> it's an it's,
0: it's it's an underrated flavor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: um, yeah. I think I think um, it's just that I got used to the way that ship particular. It's 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 like Super Meat Boy as well. I I hey, dabble with I drink. dab. I, I dabble with the other characters that you can play as, but ultimately I'm so used to the weight and feel of Super Meat Boy that mm. I just go back to Super Meat Boy. And I think the same thing happened here where I played so much of the game with um, Ferox that um, the other the other two ships just felt wrong. Um, and, yeah, and I, I kind of like the simplicity of just fire left fire right um it just meant that i had less to think about and um yeah um i look i i'm not you know i'm not the high score chaser so if this if this pick is not the one that gets you to the top of the leaderboards, you fair fair play (laughs) but um i just enjoy the way this shit feels
0: Harry Kruger said, we didn't plan ahead for the inclusion of the uh, editor and custom ships uh, and certain oversights in the main game responded poorly to this change. This demanded large changes to the game, which both put a strain on our resources and divided players when the patch was released. Although we still stand firmly behind these changes, many of them could have been avoided with more careful planning and thorough testing beforehand. Lessons learned. Uh, Yeah, so arcade mode, I think, uh, deserves probably most of our attention it was the only mode in the game pretty much at the start and it is the one that is based on the game that the game is based on if you follow me um so one of the sort of unusual things about this particular defender variant and i realize not everyone listening has played or even heard of in some cases defender but the point about defender was when it first arrived in 1980 or 81 1980 i think uh it was that it wrapped around, so the level wrapped around. you. It was a, a very fast, for the time, very smooth scrolling, but you were effectively on a cylinder. So you had this scanner on the screen, and you could see exactly what your surroundings were, but if you scrolled in one direction far enough, you would return to where you were before. But until this game in 2013, I don't think any Defender clone I'd played, and believe me, there were a lot, uh, actually displayed the cylinder so in this case you can actually see what's going on uh, thanks to the technology of the you know the systems involved as we know this does actually run perfectly well on a vita as well uh with some compromises in terms of the number of voxels on screen and things like that but actually to be able to see without having to to use uh, an enemy scanner or anything like that and um particularly in conjunction with those important sound effects uh you can actually see when somebody something bad is happening all the way around the level you do also have some indicators uh there's some arrows on uh, around your ship and some other uh, eight, uh hud elements but overall um you're kind of you should be aware of the in- entire level at a time um, so that's a sort of, yeah, an unusual thing. And from then on, it yeah, it's really about saving the last humans. And I suppose the thing that's still that bugged me at the time, and they did improve somewhat, but I still think it's sometimes I get I get I come a cropper is the secret humans. So there's pre specified number of humans per stage are not secret in that they are held by keepers and the way to collect them is to uh, shoot that wave of enemies. And it frees a human rather like the, uh, rather unlike the old games that I've already mentioned where it was a case of uh, picking them up off the floor. They were just milling about already in this game. You have to reveal them to mill them about on the floor. Uh, They can then once they've been revealed, uh, get attacked by uh, sort of or kidnapped by enemy sources you can end up with two or three in one go, but those secret humans—you uh, have to have certain conditions met to have them appear. I suppose another thing that I haven't mentioned—I'm now. This is this thing where you're trying to describe <laughs> a game and you realise how much there is to it. This is this is quite a, uh, a a mechanic and feature-rich game. The humans are actually all on screen from the start, but they're in they're hidden in perspex boxes. I don't know why, because it's what suits the gameplay, I guess. Um, But yeah, the secret humans are unlocked at certain points, depending on what multiplier you have. You need to have your multiplier at a certain level, or I can't remember what the other conditions are, actually. It's usually multiplier-based, but I think there are some other things. Camille, can you remember?
1: I think it's just a multiplier. Just
0: multiplier, okay. Yeah. So, well, we haven't really talked about the multiplier yet, but let's actually well let's segue naturally into that keeping your multiplier up is the name of the game and on this subject uh steve norman says uh i've played a lot of this since it first appeared as a ps4 plus freebie it remains my playstation 4's longest undeleted resident and i still play it regularly but strip away the incredible visual effects the power-ups and play modes and i still prefer the purity of gameplay found in its inspiration defender i realize what an old fart i sound but once you get deeper into Resogun, there's so much reliance on managing your multiplier that to my taste I'd rather just shoot stuff until me or all the humans have been done away with. Yeah, this multiplier facet, if you are playing the game to do more than get to the end of the last level and clear the boss and say I've won Resogun, uh, the multiplier is the absolute, it is your it is your super MacGuffin it's the thing that you have to nurture and you very carefully have to Uh, cultivate Uh, it goes up and up and up and up and up as you kill things and it immediately gets taken away from you if anything bad happens or if you don't shoot an enemy for a certain amount of time and it does become both for me both the most compelling element and also the most stressful exactly as Steve says.
1: Personally I'm not a big fan of the multiplier mechanic Ah. it's it's probably the, the one element that I would tweak if I had the opportunity Okay what would you do? Okay, here's the thing. The secret humans, like we said, are tied to the multiplier, and yeah. the multiplier basically goes down when you when you when you when you fail to shoot an enemy mm-hmm. within a certain time frame. Yes, that in and of itself is not a problem. Mm. But the way that certain enemies are designed in their pathfinding, mm. it can sometimes lead to situations where you lose your multiplier and you don't really have a sense that it was your fault
0: right really? hmm. yeah
1: and okay. and that to me is is, is a problem because hmm. and and here's the thing i think that one of the things that separates Resogan from something like Ikeruga is that it's not it's not based on strict memorization hmm. And what I mean by that is you need to memorize the enemy patterns. That, that's that's what you need to focus on. You need to get to learn the enemies and how the enemies behave and how the enemies move and how to mm. take them down as soon as possible. But the, the actual waves, it, it, it's not really something that you need to... You, you don't need to very strictly memorize yeah. which ship appears at which exact time like in yeah. other volatile shooters. Unfortunately... Mm-hmm. If you really want to keep your multiplier up at all times, you do need to memorize yes. the, the the type of enemies that come where. And to me, those two systems are a bit contradictory fundamentally. Okay. Mm. And well, for example, let's take the 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 centipede enemies, the one that looks like uh, like fish bones. Yeah. That kind of that kind of swim in one direction. Mm. Right. So let's say they a wave of those appears uh, like a column, and they swim to the left, and you happen to be on the other side of the of the stage. Yeah. And you're also moving left, and you just shot the the last remaining enemy except from that column. Yeah. You just lost your multiplier because y- you guys are running in
0: in opposite direction. Then you're never going to catch each other. But so you can use a bomb. Yeah. You, cannot, you can you yes, can freeze but, the multiplier with a bomb and and then boost while the bomb's happening to catch up. Yes,
1: I know. But like my problem is that I really like to keep my
0: bombs, bombs for the yeah. later stages. <laughs> That's your that's your punishment for having mismanaged the enemies, I suppose. In, in I, what...
1: I, I agree with this, but it, it's it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine when I feel like systems are not quite tweaked in a way that 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 makes things fair. Yeah. And and he, the the only thing I would change is when the game detects that uh, you won't be able to reach an enemy at time that it just kickstarts the new wave. It keeps the old enemies, but it just gives you a fighting chance, so to speak, to to yeah. multiply up. That that's the only thing I would tweak right got it mm i uh,
2: i i I didn't really have a problem with it um because I always saved the boost for when I was in those situations when there was you know when I just defeated everyone that I could see I just boost um straight away and then uh carry on the multiplayer with the enemies that are right in front of me i i just I don't know maybe it changes if I cuz I I I didn't play survival mode as much as 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 you did no, it's, um uh, it's not a, not
0: a not a factor in survival mode right the okay. multiplier works differently there, uh, as it it's,
3: and It's primarily if you score chasing, isn't it, that it becomes yeah, a, case, a bigger yeah. factor. The multiplier
1: uh, window uh, gets shorter with higher difficulties. Yes. And that also makes it more. Yes, more the
0: multiplier number possible gets higher, but the cooldown oh, well. gets yeah, faster. But, uh, yeah.
1: Also, the, the time window that you have in order to keep it to keep yeah, it exactly. felt, yeah. it gets shorter. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, so that is yeah, absolutely. The the higher you play, the bigger scores you can get. Obviously, every uh, every difficulty and every mode and every level has its own. Online leaderboard and it all functions beautifully, so that's all great. But yeah, no, it is demanding in that regard. Um, one of the there are a couple of uh, a couple of other ways in which the game sort of helps you to manage. I mean, as a nemesis player, you've always got those automatic shots. Now you can still end up out of reach, but you don't have to kill an enemy to keep the multiplier going. You can even just tap it. So you can even just tap it with with one stray homing shot. And even if it doesn't finish it off, it keeps a multiplier going. And also the boost as well as, um, yeah, boost came, I think pretty much came over wholesale from their uh, Super Stardust games. Um, As you finish the boost, you kind of get a pulse of uh, destructive energy as you clear. So you don't even need to come out of the boost and line up with an enemy and then shoot it. You can pretty much um, just fly it anywhere on the screen with an enemy and release your boost and you'll probably you'll probably catch it so those are kind of player friendly uh, ameliorations but I do yeah I do totally get what you're saying Camille this game is yeah, deliberately very demanding on the, there's a lot of multitasking sort of mentally and physically in terms of hand-eye coordination we haven't even talked about the controls it's slightly unusual compared to its predecessors in that I mean if you go all the way back to the original Defender you had umpteen buttons you had a button just to make yourself go forward you had a button to flip the ship around of course that's all gone because we've got twin sticks apparently in development it was going to be an eight-way twin stick shooter but they actually locked it down just to left and right shooting uh, so you use the right stick to aim and the left stick to fly basically but then on top of that you've got uh, all the shoulder buttons doing different things including the rather joyous chucking a human into the teleport button uh which uh, which is always fun um yeah
1: personally i'm 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 i really like the fact that it's not a, a full full fledged twin stick shooter where you mm. have to actually aim yeah. because i think that it it allows the player to really focus on its on on the positioning which is what the entire game is 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 based on in my in my in my opinion so i I actually kind of like that i don't have the greatest multitasking capabilities (laughs) so i just don't and and um the idea that i can play this game and just focus on the enemies and focus on my positioning without having to to aim too much separately i think it actually adds to the game instead of Mm. taking away from it
0: I Guess they felt the same way, hence they uh, yeah, they chopped that out of it. Would you prefer if um, it was um, like say next market? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I think I, it's one of those things, like um, you know, in people such as yourself who you know feel that uh, whereas some people would say that something like the not being able to move and shoot in Resident Evil 4 is kind of retro, um, to, to you, it it feels baked into the game design and i think in this case it's it's like that like yes they could have made another uh, full eight way or or even 360 way uh, twin stick shooter along the lines of geometry wars or something yeah, exactly. but then it would be a completely different game um and actually it 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 uh it it harks back more to the original Defender and Drop Zone and Data Storm by not being a full eight-way shooter. There's loads of those, and I love them. And you know, and they made one after this, which I think is you know an absolute masterpiece of the genre. So, no, I I I don't. I uh, my, I guess my concession to it is playing the Nemesis ship and having that extra cover. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no. I think I think they made the right decision in the end, and it and it definitely keeps it. Uh, more distinctive than than the many many twin stick shooters that are that are around. Yeah, it gives it a bit of bit more bit more identity. Um, yeah, so we talked about bomb, uh, but bo- uh, no, we talked about boost. Bomb um, is your classic uh, smart bomb. It's slightly different in this game, in that uh, in the in the original Defender and other such games, if you pressed smart bomb, it would clear the screen, uh, but in this game, it fires off an almighty uh, sort of praxis effect type thing coming out of your ship and wipes out I think everything I think maybe it doesn't kill it doesn't kill bosses instantly but it it kills almost everything else straight away doesn't it Uh, and it's a a real yeah it's a clean sweep of the entire cylinder uh, which is obviously very helpful at times the game does get intensely busy um, on the second difficulty level and uh, and up from especially the from the second in, level in,
1: in survival also trigger bomb effect whenever whenever they die so that, that clears the entire stage that's and right then, yeah. um, and it signifies that you're moving on to the next day or to the next to the next phase so that's
0: also really cool yeah uh, you start each uh, life with a shield and you can also pick up uh, you get about every time you re- uh, deliver a human to its safe house you get some kind of little sort of perk. Uh, some of them are temporary. See, this is the thing. I've played this game for 40 odd hours and I'm now thinking, oh, yeah, there's all these mechanics. Um, <laughs> uh, you get a little uh, you get a shield basically at the start of each life, which uh, depletes over a period of time just to give you a little window of, of opportunity, I guess. Um, I can't remember what else. Sometimes you get a, an extra ship. Sometimes you get an extra bomb when you deliver a it's Often it's score based. I'm not sure if it's completely preordained or whether there's a sequ- yeah, whether there's a sequence that's built-in or whether it's there's an element of random to it
1: well i know that when you when you get all humans in a single level that um the reward you get for the very last one i think is not is is not random like it's it's always a bomb or something
0: really powerful to to reward you um yeah (laughs) That makes sense.
1: Oh, by the way, uh, is there a bridge restored mechanic in the cade? I, can, I can't. I um, can
0: No. Save. Uh, no? Okay. no. That's for so you've played so much survival. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> all right. Um, overdrive is another thing. So this is another uh, weapon you have at your disposal. Um, again, going back. Uh, some of the earliest uh, Defender games, including the original sequel Stargate, uh, had a sort of invincibility or invisibility shield, as did Drop Zone, um, as well as uh, as well as smart bombs. Uh, but this game has Overdrive, which is another kind of mega get yourself out of a corner attack. Uh, each ship has a different variant of it. Um, I don't think I've still quite mastered exactly how best to use this even after five years and 40 and something hours of play. Uh, I think I over hoard it and I, I save it for think It's what it's like potions in final fantasy. I've always got, got it on. Uh, I've always got it stored up and then I end up dying before I use it, which is foolish. Everything you shoot gives off little green voxels or dots and, um, Include, and some, some enemies give off a lot of them, uh, your ship automatically hoovers them up and that feeds into this overdrive meter. When you loose it off you become, uh, kind of the game kind of goes into bullet time really doesn't it? And you've got this kind of enormous beam that comes out the front of your ship and cuts a swathe through everything uh, Yeah overdrive, What what is it good for? Absolutely uh, something boosting your scores. Carl?
3: <laughs> it is one of those things, like you say, I, I've mentioned it on Numerous podcasts where you get the rocket launcher in a game and you never use it because you'll need it for that one specific enemy, mm. and I think it's it's the tool in this game. I well, I definitely don't use as much as I probably should. Yeah, um, or as well in my it, case. Yes, yeah, that that as well. Or if I, I use it, it's, it's kind of wasted and. Never that effective to sort of maintaining the multiplier as as I would have liked. Um, Useful against some bosses, but yes, yeah, it it looks cool. It it has the feeling of being incredibly powerful. Sounds great. Um, and yeah, like it sells it really, really well. And I think for that reason, I think it's more special than it is. So I just don't use it.
0: Uh. I, yeah I know what you're saying I think um, I think definitely the, the the higher tier players use it as a, a way of massively boosting and extending you know their score uh, you can use it on some very busy screens and you can see the numbers popping out of the, the it starts to actually show you the the scores that you're getting for the enemies um, and that's quite Moorish in itself we've talked on other games uh, other shows about other games in other genres about numbers popping out of things and in this case it works quite well uh, how best to deploy overdrive josh as somebody who isn't much of a score chaser do you find using you're using overdrive as a get yourself out of jail button or a holy heck this is fun shooting things button
2: it, it it was used mainly as a get out of jail free card uh, yeah. when whenever i got surrounded by enemies and it felt like if i put a foot wrong um i was going to lose a life um but and this is due to poor memorization on my part um i and i i still do it when i revisited the game i did it again um for some reason my brain thinks the boost button should be R1 mm. mm-hmm. and um, I keep pressing uh, overdrive when I intend to boost mm. all the time. Yeah. so um, I end up just completely wasting it on nothing on just yeah. an empty screen.
0: well um, I still uh, I still use a bomb when I'm trying to throw a human after all after all my gameplay so yeah. So the enemies in the game don't appear to have official nomenclature. But, however, uh, Camille kindly dug out uh, a forum post on uh, PSN profiles where somebody has given them all a name for us. Um, which is kind of handy. We won't go through every one. Um, suffice to say, there are a number of enemy types. We've mentioned the centipedes, uh, which I actually were trying to, and I actually did the thing earlier of trying to d- describe them badly. Um, there are, how many are there here? It's like 25, 30 different enemy types without bosses. Um, actually, yeah, I'm, there's 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 plenty, yes. And they all have, this is the point, they all have different uh, behaviors. They do have different personalities, different uh challenges that they they pose um i find the 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 mega tri ship is probably the one that scares me the most as a nemesis player because uh it's this big fat squiddy thing um and it takes a lot of damage and i suspect if if you're a phobos guy you go up right up close to it and smash it in but as a Uh, nemesis no no? okay run away
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you run away well usually they come in pairs so you can if you back off and, and shoot the one guy, you can you can you can kinda of kill him, but by that time the other has reached you, so now you have to improvise or speed uh, speed out of the way or speed into
0: him, which also kills him, of course. And um, yeah, those guys are, are tricky. <laughs> any uh any particular enemies that stand out for you or, or um give you uh, either warm or cold feelings, guys. Like, I, I, I always find with these games, ever, going all the way back to Space Invaders, like, certain enemies feel like your friends and certain enemies feel like your enemies, if you know what I mean.
3: Yeah, so, obviously, the Mega Tri-ships are a pain, but it's the beam emitters, because they're not even that... The it, It's not like you can't see them. Yeah. They cover the whole screen vertically, but the amount of times you'll just catch one. Yeah. I, I, and it, you you get so annoyed... I've been put in that scenario and you see them sort of, you see yourself getting closer to them and sometimes you just, you, uh, you have that moment of panic and you press the wrong button and yeah. yeah, and sometimes you just don't have your boost to be able to get through and uh, yeah, just sort of those and in some of the stages they can be so overwhelming um that it becomes a bit of a you've got to be very quick on the old fingers um, which at 34 is starting to get a little bit harder than it hey, used to be. Wait
0: for it. Uh, yeah, no, well, hmm. uh, laser barriers uh, are the other sort of uh, version of those, but they're in yes. more in the middle of the screen and they come at angles. Um, they once if you shoot off the bottom of a laser barrier, the laser barrier extends, which I think is a neat, mean trick. And then if the laser barriers are, are around long enough, we mentioned earlier that. Almost all the enemies, if not all of them, have an angry state uh, where they become more aggressive. They they start moving, even if they were stationary before. They fire more bullets. They home in on you. Um, this sort of goes back to the the uh, the drones turning into, I can't remember the enemy name type from the original Defender, but they were called Nemesites in Drop Zone, um, where, yeah, basically en- enemies become worse and the laser barriers uh, yeah it's very easy to go into a screen full of those and just think yeah I'll just pick all these off and then get taken out by an extending laser barrier just
3: because you shoot the wrong end exactly yeah yeah. and
0: this is that's a good example of this sort of the amount of thought you have to put into every single nanosecond of playing a game like this
3: yeah, it it's weird because you you'll play it and you play for like half an hour, an hour, and you're knackered by the time oh, you finish totally, yeah. you're finished because you just you've been so in that zone that you're like, right, that's I'm done for the night.
0: Yeah, that only gets worse as well um, <laughs> age.
1: About the the enemy types, I will say no. that the laser barriers and the birds, the caterpillars, and the sky turrets, for example, are no. some of the trickiest enemies to deal with simply because if you leave them alone long enough, they will populate like so much screen real estate with their bullets that it becomes very difficult to to maneuver around so and it's also frustrating because you can't just shoot the bullets out of the way you really need to dodge them and you really need to somehow find a way to shoot the enemies and um yeah it's definitely it's definitely useful to know how who to prioritize in this game and 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 which enemies should should have oh so much yeah
0: yeah, and and I don't. There doesn't seem to be like a technical limit on. I mean, I guess there is, but there. You know, this game, as we've said on a technical level, is incredibly fast and smooth and shifts around a ridiculous number of, of voxels. And there may be a, a, an absolute limit on screen, but there are sections in this game, especially as I say, if you do venture into the higher difficulties and, and the later levels, it's hard to believe that there's any room left for you to uh, to even hide in. Josh, any thoughts on uh, enemies in this game? Do, do any of them sort of stand out to you as having more personality or, or being something that you enjoy to fight?
2: Yeah, I I got two answers for you. I think on the aesthetic side, um, I really like the speeder um, uh, ship just because the design is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that that kind of ring around uh, around the kind of central ship. It just looks really cool and sci-fi. I, I just yeah really like the design but mm-hmm. in a kind of just primal i like smashing it um sense um the spinners the uh the ships that split apart into smaller ships um when you shoot them yeah. um it's just really satisfying to just slowly dis- disintegrate the, those ships and, yeah. and uh yeah, it's it's just pleasing to watch it smash to
0: pieces. These games always have uh, have have an enemy of that type, pretty much, which is great. And I suppose I suppose the one we all shoot the most of is is the the swarmers. I think they must be the most common enemy type. Uh, there's certainly an insane amount of them in the in the first level, and uh, yeah, they're they're your popcorn basically. Yeah, the game has some bosses as well. Now, uh, going back to the original Defender and Drop Zone, there were no bosses. Uh, Data Storm added bosses. Super Drop Zone added bosses. Uh, it was never my favourite thing. I much prefer playing level to level in these types of games. Uh, the bosses here, um, I think, are mostly all right as bosses go. Um, they're quite fun when they enter. Um, they have uh, they they look pretty imposing. Um, it's just not my favourite thing. I actually, I just want to play the next level. Really, I just prefer shooting the smaller enemies. But um, I like the way the multiplier freezes when the boss is about to arrive, so that your, your multiplier is safe unless you die, basically. So you get to carry it to the end of the level or and beyond, uh, which is uh, kind of a key thing as we were talking about. Um, they can be. I mean, again, as with everything else on these How Smart games, they painstakingly uh, make sure that everything is slightly different on every difficulty setting. So you will notice that a boss is uh, behaves in certain ways or you have to kill far less of it or bits of it to to progress on the lower difficulties. The higher you go up, the more boss you have to deal with, basically. Uh, Who enjoys these and who, like me, would almost rather the game didn't have them?
3: I love the bosses um, cool. for the simple reason that beating them um, is the culmination of a level that gets more and more hectic, and then yeah. with the visual explosion that I mentioned with the voxels mm. is kind of the ultimate payoff for beating it. It
0: is a big payoff, so you get the uh, the little speech on
3: yeah, the game. So it, yeah, so it, it never feels like underwhelming, which I think bosses often can in games like this and have done in the past. I feel like... Uh, It's the culmination of getting through the level that the boss is a fresh challenge and then beating that and maintaining sort of things like the multiplier uh, uh, are what I really... I, I, I can understand why someone wouldn't, but then for me personally, I really did quite like the inclusion of bosses.
0: I don't hate them. I just—it's just not my favorite thing. But I'm wondering now, maybe if I was a, like a phobos player, I would have more fun being an nemesis <laughs> yeah. player. Makes them quite, uh, yeah. You're sort of—you feel like you're just flicking them, which is uh, which takes some of the satisfaction away. Camille, uh, I know you're more of a uh, survival guy, but um, do you have fun with the bosses in Ark? Yeah,
1: I, I like the bosses. I, I think they're very well designed for the most part. They're not particularly. I mean, they don't reinvent the wheel. They're, they're, they're pretty basic. Big circle, basic. big cube, or big square. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're yeah. pretty basic in their structure, but I think it, it's probably for the best that they, they the house mark played it safe with the bosses because if you had, like, at least one of the bosses that was just a complete disaster, uh, the entire game would suffer from it because it's not like you can just ignore the boss. Yeah. So... I'm I'm happy with them uh, with them obviously I don't play against them very often <laughs> for, but um every time I play arcade, yeah it's it's a nice reminder it's a nice it's a nice uh, it's a nice punctuation to the level I'd say
0: the second one in particular uh it has a really um on the on the lowest difficulty it doesn't do this but when when you're on experience and above it actually starts to hide its weak point from you by by circling away so you have to constantly keep dodging from side to side and eventually kind of trick it into continuing to show you its weak point stuff like that it reminded me a bit of something like um, obviously a different genre but Star Fox you know that kind of that kind of uh, duel with a boss sort of situation Josh
2: um, I'm kind of with you um, the bosses just feel a bit limp for me um i think the, the the enemies and their variety and and all of that stuff it's really fun and engaging and the bosses just kind of feel like wait for the for, wait for it to expose its weak point and then fire away and then dodge bullets while doing that and it's just they didn't really engage me that much
0: if i'm being honest fair enough uh so a mixed response to bosses uh yeah so between levels You get uh, there's a slew of extra points to be won. And again, if you are playing for score, this stuff will be uh, it's it's time to start again. If this stuff isn't kind of where it needs to be, Uh, you've got your human saved and your secret human saved. Uh, Human savior, I assume, is forgetting everything uh multiplier master being invincible i.e not dying hoarding your bombs and then there's uh, a bonus score which i'm not even sure exactly what that relates to actually it's uh, invincible
1: is even uh, even if you lose your your shield it it, it ruins i think the uh, invincible uh, or at least okay. you get less points
0: not even being touched yeah yeah so there's a lot of stuff you need to pay attention to and as i say uh you will carry your multiplier over so on the on the easiest difficulty rookie for instance your multiplier can only ever get to five and it takes a while for it to to turn off but once you're once you're playing up the levels you're looking at much higher multipliers ever more precious but ever more easily lost uh yeah that's that's one of the hooks so yeah we should talk about the the difficulties so there are uh five um I've only really had a look at the top one uh, in some of the challenges and stuff. Um, But is it uh, it veteran or is it master and above that revenge bullets become activated? It's master. (laughs) Master. The revenge
1: bullets start on master. And that's also why I don't play master. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Everything you kill fires at you, basically. This is an old, uh, you know, an old sort of genre trope, but not necessarily from Defender games, just from... Uh, yeah, shoot 'em ups as a whole um, so it means that your trajectory you have to as well as all the other myriad facets we've already said that you have to th- be thinking about microscopically every nanosecond you now have to constantly realign your trajectory based on what you're killing I think it's one of those things that the more you play it the easier it gets of course like most things but it is It's a proper workout. Um, The developers say that veteran and above is where you should start playing, of course. (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) I mean, Master
3: Master is so difficult that it was one of the last trophies that I actually popped in the game Um, Mm. because obviously revenge bullets are a factor, but it's the kind of thing where until it becomes instinctive, it's the thing that's consistently going to catch you out because you've already taken into consideration... Keeping the multiplier, saving the humans, shooting these kinds of enemies, using the boost to get out of trouble, using overdrive at the right times, and now you've got something else. It's kind yeah. of um, it. It it's more difficult to deal with than it sounds like it should be at this point. Um, and yeah, mm. it, thankfully you only have to complete one level on master difficulty for the trophy. But it was yeah, it was a, yeah. it was a, it was a tough one.
0: Yeah. Well, my my um, suspicion is that uh, players of like p- real proper players of Resogun, even beyond the likes of Camille here, uh, would probably say, "Oh, you have to be playing it on Master or above to be yeah, playing it properly—the authentic properly. experience." Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Camille. Uh,
1: I think another thing with the um, with the revenge bullets and why they're so tricky to deal with is because you have to rewire your brain, totally, basically, yeah. because. Yeah. The, the the conventional modes without the revenge bullets train you to always go to in the direction that you're shooting. So yeah. you can you can collect the, the green orbs for the overdrive. Yes. And as soon as the revenge bullets are activated, you need to do the exact opposite. And basically <laughs> yeah. if you, you you basically need to fly left and shoot right and, yeah. and leave the, 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 the corpses somewhere as far away from you as possible. And not just I mean, in theory it sounds like it sounds easy enough, but when you when you when you're so used to, to, to the usual way of playing rezogan it can be yeah, it it, it 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 it's it's very easy to, to, to fall in the trap, so to speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we didn't mention again for people who haven't played is of course that your boost, although that clears out bullets when you finish a boost, uh, it has a c- quite a long cooldown on it. So although you can use you can use a little bit of boost rather than e- uh, expend the whole bar, but that's still going to take a few seconds to uh, recharge. So you can't just boost, 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 boost. Yeah, you clear can't it, spam it, it like a nice no.
1: It's It's something that's very deliberate and you need to know yes. exactly when to use it. And honestly, it's... Usually, a good idea to use it as a form of weapon, as, a, as an offensive maneuver. Yes. Because yeah. your boost is actually one of the most powerful tools at your disposal. Definitely. But yeah, you, you definitely need to get the timing down because you yeah. don't want to be caught without your, with your boost being on cooldown in a, in a tricky position because that, that can be a run and a very quick.
0: Terrifying. Josh, did you have a look at the higher difficulty settings or were you happy just to plod through in your newbie way? <laughs> on yeah experience
2: um I, I I I stuck with rookie and experienced um any higher and I was risking not having as much fun which I know is not you know the way
0: it's meant to be
2: played but
0: sometimes there we it, go. you know sometimes getting over that barrier can be the gateway to loving a game more and sometimes it isn't yes that's, yeah I yeah. mean, you, you can't play everything to that level that's the point um that we yeah one of the things we often discuss like we always it is frustrating this is a wider topic it is frustrating when if you love a game and you play it on the harder difficulties and i don't really on this one particularly i do love the game but i don't play it on the harder difficulties it is that thing like people like carl and tony persuading people for years you've got to play halo on at least heroic if not legendary to get the most out of the game and if you don't you're missing out and people going well i'm not really enjoying it enough to rank up it's like you might enjoy it more if you rank the difficulty level up so you go through that whole kind of um, dialogue. But yeah, as I say, the point is that not everyone can play everything and master everything. There's just not, there's too many games and not enough time. Um, So yeah. I hear the argument,
1: but I will also say that one of Resogun's greatest strength is how welcoming it is in comparison to others, Mm. to other other games. And um, I actually think that it's perfectly... uh, uh, a valid way of playing the game even yeah. if you stick to rookie or experience because I feel like there's enough going on in the audio-visual presentation in, mm, the, in, the, in, yeah. the, in the bosses and in, in just, just the, the fun and the, the kinetic energy of the core gameplay that I think it's it, it's perfectly valid It's I don't feel like it's a game that needs to be played on, on higher difficulty
2: <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's the thing like, if if I felt like I was missing out, I probably would crank up the difficulty but like i still felt like there was a lot of things that i needed to memorize or a lot of you know there's still a lot of enemy variety they just maybe don't hit as or not hit as hard but shoot bullets as frequently they or something don't. like that yeah yeah um no that's right
0: um, you do miss out on rookie in the sense that you actually the game gets curtailed uh on rookie right so okay. but experienced and above you get you get the full experience. You just don't. You uh, just don't get the same level of, of challenge. Or, but yeah, it's like the, the, if you want a higher score, you have to go at the levels. Like if you want an absolute higher score, you have to go at the levels. That's that's your risk and your and your reward and and the challenge that's ahead of you. But if you don't want to do that, then yeah, once you've finished experience, you've you know you've completed the game in inverted commas.
3: I guess the only alternative to that is a game that stats Easy and grows harder which I suppose uh, Camille might say that that's survival um, but you know something like uh, to throw it out there Lumines for example starts very mm. simple and then it'll yeah. erratically change the difficulty per song or uh, Tetris is probably the, the most ideal one where it starts so simple and then the challenge is getting further into that game but it still allows you to start from afresh because not everyone wants to necessarily come in from work and then go under the stress of playing something incredibly difficult. So, mm. yeah, I, I think it's absolutely... Play play this game on whatever difficulty you enjoy. There's there's, there's Thankfully, as you mentioned, Mark were very specific in making sure that regardless of what difficulty you play on, there is a slightly different experience there so you can kind of tune into the one that connects with you the best
0: and play yeah. it that way. Yeah, or suits your yeah your natural ability, which obviously you know there is always the capacity to push and improve your 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 default abilities, but um, but yeah, maybe you don't have the time or the inclination. Uh, let's talk survival, Camille. Uh, I've played this quite a bit, but I haven't played it for a hundred and something hours. <laughs> what is it about this mode that makes you play uh, a a simple old fashioned shoot 'em up for over a hundred hours? Well,
1: okay. I'm 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 a big fan of, um, arcade challenge, type modes in games in general when they when the when they're executed properly, because I feel like, they can sometimes help to bring out the 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 the, the core quality of the gameplay in in, in a more prominent fashion. And. Other examples would obviously be uh, Resident Evil mercenaries, or the, the challenge in Vanquish, or this type of stuff. Yeah. It's something that that resonates with me in general, mm. and I feel like a lot of player kind of don't really pay too much attention to it, which is understandable because you know you don't have the story, you don't have the the, the all the all the stuff that is part of the of the of the conventional main game, so to speak. Mm. Now, obviously, Resogun is, is already a very arcade game, so it doesn't really, one would argue, it doesn't really need an extra mode in order to, to come into its own. But for me, there are a couple of modifiers that really enhance the, the experience. So, um, so, basically how survival works is, you don't have any bosses and you play one, one wave of enemy after after the other and they get increasingly more difficult over time and the, it's it's basically an endless mode you there's yeah. no there's no end you the game ends whenever you die so a couple things we mentioned overdrive earlier right yeah okay so the way the uh, there there's multiplier in in, in in survival, but you never you're never at risk of losing it. It only yeah. ever goes up if you play yes. well. But it, it it so you don't have to worry about micromanaging your, your timing and everything. So that to me is a is a plus. There's a human mechanic, but it works slightly differently and you don't have to transport them to a safe place. You you just you just pick them up as soon as you touch them, which makes it easier to, to get back into 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 the fighting shortly afterwards. Yeah. And here's the thing: uh, the power-ups are done when, whenever you 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 collect a select few uh, uh, a select amount of uh, of humans, you get a, a power-up drop from the, from the from the ceiling, so to speak. Yeah. And some of them are fixed, such as uh, weapon upgrades and shields. Mm. And but the majority of them are randomised. But here's here's the here's the cool part: mm-hmm. they're not actually randomised. It's just that the icon that falls is, is, is switches every every couple of frames, and it's mm. almost impossible to pick it. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually pretty impossible. Sorry, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> um, it's almost impossible to pick the the icon that you wish. Yeah. Except if you use the overdrive mode, because overdrive, what overdrive does is it slows down time.
0: Oh, I'd never right. thought of this. Right. And I'm coming for s- you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you manage to save your overdrive for the 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 the, the, the power up icons, and you activate it just as the the icon falls from the ceiling, you are able to pick out the the, the, the power that you need, right? And now it, it it's not it's not a given the the time window. It's still pretty short, but at least it's, it's humanly possible. Yes. Because, yeah so that gives it a very interesting risk versus reward because obviously you can't really make the full use of your overdrive if you're just waiting for the icon so you you can't really use it to clear the bosses or or anything like that but on the flip side it allows you for example to pick bombs which are arguably the most important part of your toolkit so if you use your overdrive properly and you manage it properly and you're able to rack up the the number of bombs which in the beginning stages don't really come in handy, but once you're in World 8 and up, the bombs are your absolute lifelines. Yeah. And personally, I'm a fan of advanced techniques that don't require new mechanics, but are based on a more creative use of existing mechanics, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: So in this case, instead of using the overdrive to kill the enemies, you use it to actively choose uh, how, uh, more e- efficient power-ups. So um, there are a couple of other uh, extra mechanics. Uh, there's the, the power shield. Mm. Do you know what the power shield is?
0: Uh, I don't know. Um, no, not well. Okay. I probably, I'll probably probably know it when you say what it is, but okay. I guess I've had so it. So
1: the, the, Whenever you get a shield in survival, it never goes away, so yeah. it, it's on you until it breaks. Yes. But if you pick a second shield, you get a power shield. But, now the power shield only ever takes one hit as well, so it's not like you get more defense. But it maxes all your abilities uh, to to ten. So your boost, your overdrive, oh. and your uh, agility. So, huh. Those are all maxed out, and those make a hell of a difference. Yes, if, when because especially in the boost.
0: So that's oh, definitely. No, I really... know how you got this high score. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the fallen hero. <laughs>
1: The farm yes. is a bit of a Dark Souls type mechanic.
0: Yeah, this is great.
1: Um, okay. It, it's basically um, a marker that that signifies your 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 uh, uh, one of your high scores. And yep. whenever you reach that high score, you 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 get to, to, to collect it. And yep. if you don't have a shield, it gives you an instant power shield. And if you already do have a power shield, it 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 it, it acts like a bomb. Yep. So that's really cool. The problem is with falling hero it's not a, a lifetime high score that it signifies it's I think it's only the, the high score from your last month or something oh okay right right so that creates an issue because then mm. you're at a disadvantage when you start playing after a long period of period of time <laughs> of not playing it because then your high score has been reset and you don't have the falling hero so Make a I new wish one. it was a, a lifetime high score and it would it would be fixed and it would never go down but right unfortunately they decided I mean well, I understand I get why people they, coming back yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but what I like is just the, the meta is different mm-hmm. in, in, in survival because it becomes about endurance it's become about perseverance and, and precision and I feel like the best aspects of the game are enhanced, and the the aspects that I personally don't feel so charitable yeah. about, like the multiplier, mm. and other such, and for example, the shield that goes away and stuff, mm. are not present. So, yeah, mm. it's it's definitely it's definitely the meat of the game for me.
0: Yeah, clearly. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I love the fact that that we we'll talk briefly about the other modes, but I love the fact that they put obviously it was over a couple of bits of DLC and over a year or a year and a half of extra development time. But I love the fact that they actually really, really thought through and honed and polished these extra modes. So it's not just, and this is ever so slightly different to what's gone before. Like it's the fundamental core flying the ship in most cases, not with the commando mode, but they've tweaked every single uh, mechanic uh, to make, to make each mode as good as it, as compelling as it can be, which I, think I completely really, I, I respect
1: the, the the amount of work that they put into these these modes because every single one feels distinct and 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 completely different from the the, the, the arcade mode, even though the basically the enemies are the same, the core yep. mechanics are the same, yeah. but it feels different, and, and mm. you have to think differently about what you're doing. And personally, I think that that's, that's fantastic value for for money.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as I say, I spent. A, a grand total of eight pounds plus whatever I spent that month on PS Plus, mm. so like three pounds on this game that I've now played for yeah, 45 hours over five years. So uh, I can't really complain. Um, but yes, sales, as we know, were um, probably affected. Although they would have Sony would have internally given them some money for its appearance on PS Plus, uh, it's impossible to know whether they would have made more money by actually selling it or less. Probably less, but who knows? Complete speculation on my part. Uh, yeah, Demolition Mode was uh, the next one on the list. Uh, now, I think this is the mode where Carl has a higher score than me. <laughs> uh, this is an odd one because you can't shoot in it. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Rewind slightly. One thing we didn't mention about survival, I don't think. Apologies if you did. You only have one life. Mm. that oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I forgot, I forgot <laughs> the, to mention that's so, yeah, uh, that's you, you kind of a bitty, as, soon as Yeah, yeah. Game over is game over. And Death is game
1: over. It becomes really frustrating when you when you like me forget to use your bombs, and, and yeah, you so. die when you have thirteen bombs stored, which happened to me yesterday. Oh gosh! Yeah. Especially yeah. because if you want a high score on on survival, you need to play for at least thirty minutes. Yeah. Like uninterrupted focus and. It takes a toll on my endurance, mm. oddly enough. So I can't just play an entire evening of this. I play like maybe two or three rounds and then
0: I yeah, I'm, I'm spent. That's what we were saying I'm earlier. Spent. It really is yeah. intense. It's properly yeah, it's intense, intense and tiring, even for a, a young, relatively young whippersnapper like <laughs> yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Demolition also one life only. This time you can't shoot, but you have again they've completely mixed up the mechanics. So instead of a bomb, you have a kind of charge attack. Carl, you played a, I know you played at least some of this because you have a higher score than I do.
3: Yeah, it's um it it's one of those strange things where somehow they managed to change up the tone of the game in the DLC yet again and create a mod that I actually found relatively fun. Um I don't really overly remember that much of the demolition mod, though.
0: That's the crazy part of it all. Well, you you got a good... Well, I say a good score. A, a score that I haven't been able to quite match. Um, but it's the one where you basically have these floating destructive orbs and you set off a charge and, and now you do have a 360 aim because you can... Angle your your explosion as such, so that the bomb flies off at whatever angle. And then you've got this kind of arcanoid breakout kind of situation with multiple fiery bombs pinging around the cylinder, and you're dodging the things that you fired. And quite quickly, as as with all the all the modes in this game, everything ranks up, uh, uh, you know, ramps up so that there's dozens and dozens of enemies, and you've got all these fiery balls, and you're trying to just yeah, it's like it's kind of like a weird death defying pinball circus act or something (laughs) it's
3: a strange amalgamation of all the great classic legendary games that i love um yeah it's a lot of fun it's it's the way that i saw the heroes expansion that got released was that i adore the base game but this gave you just enough to sort of do something a little bit different Mm. That was it was similar enough, but it allowed you to just sort of freshen your palette back. So yeah, the, the the demolition mode, I like the idea that you don't shoot anything. Um, so it reminded me of uh, the the idea of going for pacifist in Geometry Wars, for example, for surviving. I think there's there's some sort of sick satisfaction from trying to not shoot, mm. um, and I I just like the idea that they changed the game up in such a way, uh, and it. It It's fun, you know, it's, I think they brought that and Survival both into that DLC pack, which, uh, given the bargain price that you get two DLCs for what was eight quid at the time, uh, <laughs> I, I certainly think that the Heroes expansion was value for money, especially with Camille, with 109 hours.
0: Yeah, did okay. Uh, and then the other uh, expansion, Defenders, came with two more modes, uh, which is Protector. Uh, and which I, I find this slightly confusing because Commando feels more like a protector mode, but protector is, is a different mode. Protector it involves the more traditional ship flying around a cylinder gameplay, um, but mixes things up with um, the fact that you now have to uh, slightly more tr- traditionally in terms of Drop Zone and Data Storm actually... Uh, get your dudes to a little teleport pad Uh, and then once every so often a giant mothership appears and attacks and you have to so rather than there being a boss there's this kind of irregular mini boss i'm not as familiar with this mode Um, i enjoy it when i play it um, but i'm not as intimate with the mechanics as with others Uh, camille have you spent any time with this one
1: yeah uh, i played more 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 protected than arcade, but it, it's oh, okay. probably my second favorite mode in the game. Cool, and yeah, I, I like it. it. It's also an endless game, uh, an endless yeah. mode, as far as I know.
0: Yeah, I think so. It
1: has a very cool uh, level switching mechanic in, yeah. the, in, the, in the center stage. So yes. the, the entire level flips uh, after 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 a day or something.
0: With a massive rumble.
1: It, yeah, it's it's a very cool visual effect. I like it. I like it. It has these um, these these gunship. I forgot the name of them, but that descend after a while. That are really difficult to take down. They're yep. like mini bosses, but mm. they're different from those in in the main game. Yeah. And yeah, I like it. The only thing I'm not too fond of is is the um, some of the randomized power ups that can determine how many humans you can carry, with, because that can actively influence uh, a lot of the later events and can make things significantly easier for you or not. Ah. Uh. But yeah, overall, I like it. I mean, I I, I usually just play survival, obviously. Yeah. But whenever uh, whenever the opportunity presents itself, I, I, I enjoy Protector quite a lot.
0: Yeah. You mentioned probably the one of the key differences there. So we've already said in Arcade that you can only ever carry one human at a time. In Protector, you don't carry them. You just touch them and they're safe. In this one you start off by being able to pick up one and and carry it back. But yeah, there are certain uh, power ups which allow you to taxi two or three or even teleport them back to the, to the home base. So yeah, again, just real, you know, which sound might sound some to somebody that's never played it, like really minor tweaks, but they're fundamental gameplay changes. Absolutely. Mm. Carl, do you spend any time with this one?
3: Uh, I I did, but very briefly. um, This was sort of one of these things where the DLC came out, so I tried it. uh, But I was busy with many other things in my life at the time. Um, And unfortunately, as is often the way you kind of get caught up and it's, it's sometimes hard to go back.
0: Underplayed. Um, you need it's, to go it, back. It, it,
3: it's an underplayed uh, of the two DLCs. This is the underplayed one. Put it that yeah. way. So often
0: yeah. away with the with the second lot. Yeah, even me who I've you know as I say I've regularly gone back to the game. Probably probably more than you, um, it, because it was the last bit that was added. I haven't probably haven't given it as much you know yeah. of my attention, which is unfair really because I think they put as much work into it probably. Um, but yeah, it's it remains installed and shall do. Uh, Josh, did you try any of these extra bits and bobs? Just a a quick look. Did anything take your fancy or were you sticking to the main arcade experience? Uh, I I stuck to the main arcade, unfortunately. There's a lot more game in there, I tell you. I know. (laughs) Uh, Commando uh, is the final mode. Now, this this really changed things up. You control a little dude with a comedy Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Uh, He has a jump. Uh, it does still have boost uh, but i think it i think the boost in this probably instantly recharges or almost instantly um you're defending a house uh, from meteor attacks so this plays more like missile command or space invaders or something like that as you run left and right at the bottom of the screen uh meteors and stuff come down so after a couple of stages uh you start getting tanks and things coming on from the left and right they have uh sometimes have shields on on their fronts um you pick up this is uh, Again, obviously, it's a real high school thing. You get drop score bonuses. A little wrinkle in the mechanics here is the score bonuses are much bigger if you collect them higher up in the air. So if you collect them at the peak of your jump, you get much more points than if you let them land on the floor. So, uh, again, this sort of spinning plates mechanic. And again, this is a single life only mode. Um, It can very quickly come to an end just when you're starting to think, oh, I'm getting a groove for this. You've got a few power ups for your Arnie uh minigun or whatever it is you're firing and uh and then suddenly boom there it is game over. Um yeah, I think it's pretty fun. Uh it's probably the most kind of um experimental novelty uh aspect of, of all. But the fact that they managed to make another perfectly yeah. entertaining playable game or almost in a different genre out of the same engine and give it as like, yeah, a couple of quids worth of DLC is just really neat, I think. One Other uh, or a couple of other aspects that we mentioned earlier that were added um, as well as if there wasn't enough value for money in this package. The challenges, 50 challenges that you can complete to different levels, gold, silver or bronze. These are your sort of traditional scenario type games, but they're not quite as uh, it's not quite as clear cut as that, because once again, every single one kind of mucks around with the mechanics in some ways. So you might have one where you have to survive for a certain amount of time while not shooting, or you might have to kill a certain amount of enemies while boosting. Um, there are 50 of these things. Um, I've done a chunk of them, mostly with silver and bronze medals, a few golds. Um, it goes on. There's just yeah, there's just more and more content there to play with. Has anyone done any of the challenges?
3: I started to look at the challenges, um, and it's all as with the DLC I looked at it and I thought that's something that I'm definitely when I've got a bit more time going to dive into and then another game comes out and another game comes out um, and it, it, the thing is the challenges like that are so my kind of thing um, so like, I appreciate that they're in there and I will go back and do them um, a lot of
0: them, you need to be kind of in the zone already yes. for the game. That's the thing. So it's not necessarily the kind of thing that you can dip in and yeah. out of. But yeah, some some of them you'll get, get in first the zone. time. Some of them you'll get first time, but some of them will take a while. Camille, you uh, spent any time with this of your hundred and? Um,
1: a little. Um, I don't know. I, some of them feel not very well designed to me. Okay. Which is the the, the reason I haven't dived too deeply into them. I've even looked it up. I mean, look, looked up other other people's opinion on, on this on, on the internet, and a lot of people complain that they, they can't they can't they can't get them all. Oh,
0: really? Okay.
1: Yeah. So it, it, there seem to be some minor balancing issues when mm. it comes to the high-end gold medals, of course. Uh, but I, I've had fun. I mean, I, I'm probably like you. I've had like maybe twelve uh, bronze and a couple silvers and gold, but overall, it's not
0: it's not my focus. Yeah. it's nice that it's there but it's not yeah. it's not my focus nice a nice addition to the package uh, yeah it reminds me of the old um, iss uh international superstar soccer scenario modes in that regard like put you in a difficult situation and, and get out of it only in this case yeah with even more uh sort of caveats and and hurdles added uh, added in in many cases uh Again, back to Harry Kruger from that Gama Sutra piece. Implementing and iterating over the various challenges proved to be very time-consuming, as a lot of Resogun systems weren't designed in the most modular fashion beforehand. This made writing some of our mix-and-match challenges very stressful, as we often needed to make nerve-wracking changes to establish systems and ensure we wouldn't break anything. This fact, combined with the sheer quantity of feats and challenges, put a tremendous strain on our testing and QA resources. So yeah, that sort of sounds like that was borne out by the uh, by the end result in some cases. Um, yeah, feats uh, effectively are a an, ex- an achievement wrapper for the game. So outside of the trophies, um, that uh, that were fairly easily won on the original release, and then and then they added some more with each DLC. The feats are an in-game ex- uh, achievement system there, where the every one you get adds to a, an overall kind of um player experience bar for want of a better word um which ranks ranks you up as you go Uh, i can't remember what mine is now um but i still sometimes when i'm playing something will pop up because i've accrued some ridiculous number of kills or something over time um you get a nice little jingle and it makes you feel nice it is a
3: shame that this almost came right towards the end of the game like if it was baked in from the original Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah But it probably could never have been realistically. But yes, it's nice because, as I say, as a as a game that I still go back to quite a bit, knowing that I've got all the trophies from the base game, but I haven't got all the trophies from the DLC and I certainly haven't got all the feats, means that I always feel like I might, you know, something might pop, something, a little dopamine hit might happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think to really maximise your your player, your overall bar, you would need to spend a lot of time in all the different modes and yeah, get good at everything, basically. There's some co-op. I actually got an invite to a game when I was playing this the other night. Uh, somebody on my friends list who I don't really know, I guess, has added me at some point, maybe heard the podcast or something. Um, but I was actually completely in the middle of something else. So I, um, by the time I'd finished, I thought I might do some co-op, but uh, they'd already gone. So... Uh, I've never played this local or online two-player. I've always seen this as a single-player pastime. Uh, has mm. anyone ventured? Yes. Oh, good. Okay.
3: So I've played quite a lot of this online with a, a bunch of different people. From, okay. How does um, it work? So it, it, it's exactly two people on the screen at the same time yeah. uh, going through arcade mode. And you can get the achievements as if, well, the trophies as you actually would. Okay. Um so there were a few of my friends that maybe weren't as good at the game as I was but wanted the platinum. Um well, yeah, so given sure. that I loved the game so much it was like well okay, you know, we'll we'll try and get you the platinum. So we would do the uh without losing all your lives and experience difficulty, do a level on master, etc that kind of thing. Um and I'd go through and I'd play that with them. Um and I also played some of the DLC with another friend. Um when it first, when both of them originally first dropped, and it works really, really well. It's a very
0: polished online co-op game. Cool, no lag. No. <laughs> Still have to talk about that. Uh, anyone else played multiplayer? Mm, nope. 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 I, would, I would feel bad personally if, like, playing
1: a co-op mode like this and then dying, uh, making a mistake at a, at a crucial moment, and then wasting oh. someone else, someone else's time. I, I, w- I would feel bad about myself. When, oh, it's when, just when it's, another
3: when, layer of stress on top of the stress that the yeah. game naturally gives.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think it's very like there, there's drama waiting to happen. I think <laughs>
0: I'm trying to avoid this. Depends who you play with. Um yeah, of but yeah, I know. I know. I do know what you mean about that feeling. Yeah, it takes me back to the arcade days of uh, yeah. Obviously, you were relying on your own money, but also. Yeah, um, Yeah. if it's just my time I'm wasting, it's fine. Yeah. But if
1: I'm, I end up, like, I don't know, wasting someone else's evening, then it, it, it starts to become less
0: fun. I, think I know what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Uh, we had a clutch of three word reviews for this one. Follow us on Twitter at Rince, and Instagram for that matter while you're at it. Start with Camille.
1: Um, Louis Filiatro said, Left me cold. Oh.
0: Eric Jones says, Bought
2: all the DLC. Quasimod said, the best ship
3: editor.
0: <laughs> and Bearfish Pie says, Defender resurrected spectacularly. We'll we'll let it go, uh, pun-wise. Thank you, I Bearfish. love a little pun in there. I I'll do love like a pun. Uh, right, so uh, to summarise five years of Resogun. as I say, I'm sure we'll come back with some next machina at some point in the future of Kana Rince, but for now uh their previous or this team's previous game I should say uh, let's start with Josh as uh, as he's clearly the rubbishist <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: um so i i really like um Gun um th- this this kind of style of um score chasing shooter is it's not really my genre um mm. but that being said um, I think there is there is still a lot to like here, even if you are someone like me, who just prefers to um, experience the game and then walk away. Um, I think just aesthetically, it's really, really strong um the just uh, all the shooting and all the enemy sounds just have a lot of weight and oomph to uh, oomph to them um and it's just yeah it's a lot of fun and i think it's it what it really is for me is like a master class in uh in uh kind of conveying information to the player mm. through uh audio visual cues it's it's really really clever does it have the staying power of some other kind of go-to games in in my collection or on my Vita or on my handhelds? No, not for me personally, but I totally see the appeal for those um, who love love these games. It's, it's a really, really good game.
0: Thanks, Josh. Now, oh, Carl.
3: I genuinely, just to jump straight in there, believe that Resogun is a masterpiece of this generation. Um, it's so polished, visually audibly, the controls are tight, if you get the DLC you've got a phenomenal amount of content and replayability Mm. there Um, it's it's hard to write a list of things that I could be negative about a game Um, and I can be quite picky, (laughs) people may have noticed over 7 years that I can pick on the smallest things at times and I find it very hard to pick things up in Resogun um, which is just an absolute credit to the incredible work that Housemarque did with this title. Um, what I would say is for anyone that, that has heard this podcast um, has probably heard a lot of positivity of the things that we've said about it, but it might not be their genre, Yeah, give it a go because it's it tends to be categorised in that whole bullet hell thing and... Games like Raiden and Gradius, etc., and Ikaruga may not be to your tastes. This is different. It has a different feel to it. It's like comparing uh, Mortal Kombat to Tekken to Street Fighter. The the beat 'em ups, but they're all very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this one is a lot more friendly in how a user can go and approach the game. Um, and and. Whether they want to come in and play on the easiest difficulties, go to the hardest difficulties, challenge themselves. You never know. You might end up falling for the modes that are in the DLCs, like Camille did. And hmm. I think that that is um, just joyous to behold because they made some bold decisions, some brave decisions, and they came up with something that was really quite original in a genre that, you know, is quite overplayed by a lot of tropes. And I think. Um, Nothing made me sadder in the gaming news last year that Housemark weren't making games like this mm. anymore after this and Next Machina, which, by the way, spoiler, if we ever do cover it, it's also a masterpiece. Um, because this is just joyous, joyful, beautiful games design at its very best, and the fact that it seems to have undersold or been missed by so many, genuinely hurts me a little bit. It upsets me because yeah. I think that this is such a good game. Um and the fact that at the moment it's what, two pounds fifty in a sale or three pound mm-hmm. fifty in a sale. I'd pay forty pounds for this game tomorrow if I hadn't. It like it, it it I genuinely believe it is that good. It holds its own against any game that's been released this generation.
0: Lovely stuff. Yeah, so I, when I think of Resogun, I don't think of uh shoot 'em ups uh, of the, you know, horizontal or vertically scrolling uh, genre. I mean, it has a ship, you shoot things. But for me, this goes back uh, to, yeah, Defender, the original Defender and the clones and spin-offs, uh, spiritual successes, I should say, that came after, particularly Drop Zone and Data Storm, both of which are all-time favourites of mine. And this, uh, happily, for the last five years now, has... Basically supplanted those games in my heart and mind and and my collection. Not that I've lost affection for those other games, but there's outside of emulation, there's no way of playing those. Whereas this came with, as far as I'm concerned, this came with this was the pack-in game with my PS4, and uh, and in a way, it's almost as an important a kind of. Uh, launch game purchase as something like super mario 64 for me um it has remained installed for five years even obviously with me upgrading my machine it was immediately reinstalled and as long as i have a ps4 or something that is compatible with a ps4 if the next generation actually works that way who knows um it will remain installed um because i don't think there that developer is ever going to Um, You know, replace it, uh, supersede it. Um, So until somebody else, you know, makes a game that can somehow, you know, in my mind, improve upon this kind of ultimate realization of the Defender clone then yeah, this will be my game of that type. Uh, I absolutely love it and I've been very happy to go back to it. I haven't had as much time, unfortunately, as I would like to have played it over and over again. I would still play it every day if I had an infinite amount of time. Uh, yes, probably was my favourite PS4 exclusive until the PS3 and Vita versions came out. Um, might still be, not sure, uh, could well be. Uh, but yes, it's uh, it's an absolute cracker for me. And Camille? Mm.
1: Well, first of all uh, i completely agree with everything that carl and uh, leon said before me I, I i think this game is a masterpiece i have minor misgivings about certain certain mechanics and mm-hmm. certain elements but overall I, I do think it's one of the best in its genre i do think it's one of the best playstation exclusives or games of this generation despite despite a lot of people and a lot of audiences perhaps uh, moving away from this type of of game design and considering it to be a bit uh, a a thing of the past personally i think it's it's fabulous it's 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 really really well crafted well polished game and when i think of resident i think of just raw unaltered unalterated gaming arcade gaming bliss and I agree with what you said. That it makes me sad that House Mark is not really planning on making this kind of, type of uh, this this kind of game anymore. Mm. But for for better or worse, we they still crafted several several very heavy hitters in the time that they did. So that's right. a, that's uh, definitely better than nothing. And another thing that I'd like to point out is that. I I really thought this genre was not for me before playing this game. Mm. I don't have the frame of reference of Defender and and the arcade like you guys. And this game really showed me a a facet of gaming that I've come to, to really enjoy. Hmm. Uh, since then, I've played obviously. I've played Nex Machina and, and, and other twin stick, Western twisting, twin stick shooters. Hmm. But I will, I've also uh, dabbled into Ikuruga recently. Yeah, I've bought Darius Burst Chronicles. Um, I think the, yesterday or the day before yesterday, cool. And I started diving into that. So, and those are things that I probably wouldn't have done 10 years ago hmm. b- before this game. So, I would what (laughs) yes exactly i I think it's a very very good entry point i think for for people who perhaps feel a bit intimidated by by some of the more hardcore entries in in the genre and yeah i would i would recommend it to pretty much anyone who likes this this who is even remotely interested in in this type of game
0: excellent beautifully put everybody so it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Josh, Carl and Camille, as well as our correspondents, uh, editor Sean and to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts from. Or best of all, patreon.com slash Chuck us a dollar a month or more if you want. Uh, get every podcast from us a week earlier and unabridged and our exclusive monthly podcast as well. Next time, in issue 334, it's boxer shorts all round as we head to the Demon World Village for our Ghosts and Goblins podcast.